Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is Friday, May 19th. Sorry, refer to my notes. Yeah. It's happy hour. It is happy hour. Three o'clock. High noon, three o'clock. <laughs> we are we are recording. Aaron Cerrone, Katrina Bishop, back by popular demand. I'll have you know that this was the most listened to episode of all time. Because of her, not us. Clearly not us. <laughs> Clearly not us. Exactly. <laughs> no, that one, when we spoke the first time, we talked a lot about mindset and things like that, maybe. And that was really popular. It 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 was uh the most listened to episode I think we've done, if not one of the most. So I wanted to get the band back together and kind of revisit some of these topics. So thank you from driving yeah, for driving up from Lincoln. And uh, she's usually doing charts and paperwork now anyway. So I appreciate that. So, and you're going to have a nice that break tomorrow. Yeah. Half the day, half the day documentation. Yeah, that's the tough. Worst, yeah, the worst part of most jobs is I, documentation. I absolutely hate the documentation part of my <laughs> you job. You probably had a lot of that NOSHA, a lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. Yeah, Almost to the point where you probably didn't want to find anything. I don't want to look at that because that's going to be a lot of paperwork. You know, that's interesting you say that because <laughs> I feel like being 10 years removed from the job, I can be honest you, you can about it. A little bit. But yeah, man, I, we would stop at a certain point because we knew everything else that we found was just more paperwork. <laughs> and we were essentially evaluated. I mean, OSHA claims to have goals rather than quotas. <laughs> I always thought that an inflexible goal was a quota, but I guess, you know, it's just semantics to some degree, but you would stop because you knew that you were allowed a certain amount of time per inspection on average. And you're just piling on that. You're point just anyway. piling on. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if it's making any difference for the company. So usually we just, okay, I've got enough, yeah. you know, enough. and it depended on the time of the month too. Cause it was like the first of the month. Then I would really pile on and then I could coast the rest of the month, there you, go. you know, cause we didn't have quotas necessarily, but, that's fair. That makes me think of something in a, a it was in a group I was leading yesterday, and I, I challenged the ladies to write down a commitment and and instead of a goal. A hard they, or a soft commitment. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> but but then I had another um, staff member ask me why I had a not really a problem, but why I didn't like the word goal. And I think you you said something that played to that perfectly. Why I don't prefer the word goal over commitment because goals are usually something somebody else or an organization wants for you. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what the person themselves, I mean, we all know what we should be doing or the quotas we need to meet, but a commitment that will get you towards the long-term goal or the desired outcome, I always felt was more motivating for clients. I think you hit a point too. A, a goal is a thing. A commitment is something I'm doing. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. We can set goals. Yeah. Action. These it's grandiose the goals mm-hmm. and then yeah. do nothing to get there. But if I'm committing to something, I'm putting some skin in the game, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. And I think it is just simply wordplay to some degree, but mm-hmm. those it really affects you. Yeah. The words have a new. People used to ask me all the time, well, what are your five-year goals, Doug? And I said, well, it depends on if you ask me in the morning or the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Because in the morning, I'm thinking about what I'm having for lunch. And in the <laughs> afternoon, I'm thinking about what I'm having for dinner. And that's as far out as I think. Right. But people were always, true. you need to have a five-year plan. I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to be tomorrow. You know, how sure. can I set up goals if I have no idea 
who I'm going to be. And I think there's something to be said for living in the moment. Like if you if you're always looking out three and five years, you're missing what's happening right now, and you're not living the moment. You're not enjoying what you're doing. You're not taking advantage of things that are happening in the moment. But at the same time, if you're always in the moment, and then five years later, you're broke. You're like, mm-hmm. you weren't thinking mm-hmm. that far ahead. You got, well, you got no retirement. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, that so, is yeah, I problem. see both sides of the coin, right? It's uh, You don't want to live in the past. You don't live in the future too much. You miss the moment. But at the same time, yes. you can't ignore the past, and you can't discount what might happen in the future either. So. Yeah. Well, without revealing too much, but we do have a lot of new listeners to the program, which we're very grateful for. Would you talk tell a little bit about yourself, just what you do without getting into, I know obviously you deal in great confidentiality, but absolutely the things um, that you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a licensed drug and alcohol counselor at a, a women's rehab center in Lincoln. So Monday through Friday, I go there and um, I do the short-term residential counseling there for their program, which is an amazing program. Mm, I'll bet. And then I have a hypnotherapy office still here in Omaha. Awesome. Um, which I absolutely love. Um, I don't see ever given that up Good. because it's a different type of client that I get to work with. Mm-hmm. What type of client w- would come to you for hypnotherapy? Um, so I see a lot in the areas of anxiety and panic attacks and trauma, but I also have like professional performance clients. So I have, um, you know, business clients, I have athletes, just individuals that are looking to like take themselves to the next level. And so some skills, strategies, and some mindset, kind of like life coaching Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that um, they come to me for. And then the anxiety panic attack kind of fits into like the phobias, traumas, where um, they have obstacles that are presented in their life that are starting to deteriorate life or take things away from their life that were important to them. So it's becoming something that isn't just really manageable on its own anymore. So I'm usually the last resort though. Like they've tried possibly medications, talk therapy, um, and they just don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So, and I love working with all the different like types of clients, um, in the residential settling setting, it's a six to eight week program. So most of the clients are coming in um, from drug courts or jail. Um, and so a lot of that is stabilization and just getting started on their recovery journeys um, because those are wow. usually a much longer um, types of recoveries. Yeah. You know, for some, it'll be years to um, really address the addiction and the trauma that usually co- co-occurs with addiction. Wow. Yeah. So by Friday afternoon, you're pretty tired. Yeah. Are you able to <laughs> hypnotherapize on the um, weekends? You still have something um, left? I'm learning. You know, it's you know, I can talk a lot about self-care and a lot about like ways to de-stress, but to say that I'm a master at it mm-hmm. is probably lying. You're but still, still learning. Oh yeah, yeah. In meditation um, mindset, I think had I had didn't have that background or that piece of it, I think the effects of the job would probably take its toll a lot, a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So that is something that I have to be pretty diligent about. Mm -hmm. I think anyone that works in a helping field, especially like first responders, um, counselors in this field of trauma and addiction, definitely have to have some good routines and some good self-care. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Everybody knows Aaron, but for those of you that don't, for the new <laughs> listeners that don't, you are also in self-care. That's your world, too, in large part. Self-care, some self-destruction as well. <laughs> a little bit under that. But, I mean, truly. So, fitness, health, mm-hmm. nutrition, those kind of things. Yep. Um, a little also, bit of everything. A little bit of everything. So, 
I had some questions. Let's, let's, let's skip the questions. I have some personal interests. So I've been reading a lot lately about, and I don't know if you are, if you read this on the same side of the research, you probably do, but the effects of like, you sent, you sent out a post today on the LinkedIn that I noticed that was referring to the uses of creatine, creatine monohydrate specifically, but that creatine was, as a supplement. That was what I liked. Uh, a you, friend of you mine. You kind of posted that yeah, on. And the reason podcast, being, yeah. so I have always taken creatine in, in the younger days, it was for more of a, a, a physical activity mm-hmm. purpose. But now I do it because I believe that there are, there's evidence to suggest it's good for brain health. Sure. It's good. It's kind of like good for uh, anxiety and depression issues even because it's kind of an energy molecule. Are you, are you guys on this team? Are we on the same team here? Or? Well, I naturally read a lot about it. Just the fact that I'm in the middle of a didactic program mm-hmm. and, and I'm forced to, I say forced to, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a bad way to say it, but I'm regularly uh, in the research and in the databases. And, and like you, I was always interested in, in a lot of those things. And the funny part is, is, you know, growing up an athlete and, and, you know, before the science caught up uh, with the athletics, there's there a lot of bro science, right? Oh, yeah. Stuff we learned in a weight room just by watching oh, yeah. people or, and, and, you know, I have to laugh. People, you know, make fun of bodybuilders as, you know, the, the stereotype steroided big dumb idiots. But bodybuilders figured out a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand it scientifically, but they figured out a lot of things of what to eat. Uh, how to work out, when when to eat, and right. when to cycle different things, and and now the science is starting to to support a lot of it. Um, one of them being being creatine, and you know, not to get nerd out too much of it. Creatine is very involved in the ATP regeneration cycle, mm-hmm. and creatine monophosphate is what we all generally take. Uh, but the creatine phosphate it provides the extra phosphate molecules to create more ATP mm-hmm. for the body's energy. Yeah, just source. really and, phosphorylate and, that and, ADP and right AT, back. Yep, and ATP is is the energy that we use. Everything mm-hmm. we eat turns eventually turns into ATP at some point. So it makes sense that uh, beyond physically working out and bigger muscles, that uh, the the necessity of ATP and the, and the healthy metabolism and and the regeneration of ATP in the body does have a major play in longevity and brain health and body health and cell mm-hmm. health and, and whatnot. Which um, which certainly has to play into anxiety and depression-related issues. I I don't know if you deal with that, but nutrition, um, what am I trying to like? Insulin resistance as contributors to mental health challenges. Yeah, Do, are you... Sure. I mean, Aaron and I have had these discussions before, too. There's really amazing medical studies that have come out to support that. Um, well, most of the serotonin that we make is in our gut. Mm-hmm. And if you think about most of the American diets, they don't really support like healthy serotonin production mm-hmm. in the gut. Um, same thing with exercise. It's um, one of the top things to improve anxiety is like 30 minutes of exercise a day. The research shows that it does better than most anxiety drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to be truthful. So uh, diet and exercise really play a very important part in a person's mental health, more than most people would realize. And, and that microbiome, uh, that yep, gut health, uh-huh. such an important part. Yep. And the the rebuilding of new neural pathways is really important. And, and a lot of those supplements that you mentioned that they really support healthy brain function. The research shows that it's reducing like Alzheimer's. There's some really amazing studies coming out mm-hmm. about nutrition and the amazing thing about the brain is, you know, you can build new neural pathways. 
that all habits are formed in the brain as a neuropathway. And so until it's, you know, kind of modified and a new one can build, and the best way to build that is through healthy nutrition, through exercise, through, um, there's a lot of different methods, but, and in some cases, medications are required to regulate a person, but definitely anxiety is one of those that definitely has more benefits to diet and exercise than medications. I'm always huge, amazed. Huge. I'm always amazed how, um, and, and I think this is Western medicine thought that we will, we generally resort to the medication quickly because mm-hmm. you put something in somebody's hand and this will make you feel better. And when, when diet, nutrition and health and exercise really should be the first approach. And I've been doing a lot of reading on fasting mm-hmm. and how fasting promotes healthy levels of epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, um, helps regulate all the major hormones in our body, which in turn regulates brain health mm-hmm. and healthy brain function and stabilizes emotions, stabilizes anxiety and all these things. And I don't know if I've ever heard of a doctor um, when treating somebody with anxiety or depression, just say, hey, don't eat for two days. Yeah, do a 24-hour fast or something. See how you feel. But but amazingly, it's that after periods of fasting, people always say, wow, I, I think more clearly my anxiety is mm-hmm. gone. Because what happens is your hormone levels stabilize. Mm-hmm. Your your cortisol levels stabilize. Epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, they all start mm-hmm. to stabilize. And it's like, oh, wow, everything's starting to function like it's supposed to. Right. I don't. Now it's it's not a cure all like that overnight, but mm-hmm. what it does it's just a it's just a quick way to say, hey, you know what? This is the impact that your diet and nutrition have on you and how you're feeling. And just a basic 24 hour fast, you will see a, a difference quickly. Which you'll, you'll never hear a doctor say that. Hey, just never. don't eat for 24 hours, and let's go and come back and we'll talk. And you're gonna go. And yeah. a lot of people go, hey, you know what? I kind of feel I actually feel better. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. So what does that tell you? Most people can't make it 24 that's hours. True. That's true. We, you know, that's the that's the hard part. Right. She and I had a hot debate one night about, about fasting. Uh-huh. We've almost got thrown out of several coffee and, shops, uh, him, right, him right. and I. And, and, and yeah. she was adamant that, that people couldn't do it. And, uh, it's and, very difficult and, 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 well, to and convince it, yourself well, that you can do it. A small percentage, but the overall right. majority. Because we're so conditioned to, yeah, 100%. to eat meals to eat. on a regular and, time and, frame. And, and, and truth be told, a lot of times the, the, the feelings that you're experiencing are, are truly withdrawal feelings that mm-hmm. when you're not eating we, we know things like sugar have the same effect on the brain as cocaine mm-hmm. right so it just you know we we talk we hear about addicts going through withdrawal but we go through food withdrawal as well so that, no that's a lot of times why people can't make it through even 24 hours is actually considered an extended fast i don't consider it extended but uh it, it is right and, and most people just can't when people say it's not sustainable and this is where our argument actually started to happen was, was I'm I, gonna get the hang on. I was, yeah, hang on. I always said, I was said it is, it is sustainable, right? It is sustainable. Mm-hmm. And we were saying the same thing, but coming out from different angles, it's sustainable. But my thing is people just don't have the discipline to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. That the body, most of us have enough energy stored on our body, which is what we know as fat that we could eat, not eat for a month and be okay. I mean, most, most of America could literally not eat for a year. Just, just drink water. <laughs> so, no, so, swear to God, yeah. we could not eat for a year. We have enough stored vitamins for about... Do I need to put a disclaimer in here? We, we have enough stored vitamins <laughs> in our body for about 30 days. Check this yes. out. Think about this. Okay. We have enough stored vitamins. So you could live off of water for 30 days. And after 30 days, you would need a vitamin supplement. But you could, the average American could probably not eat for at least six months and still survive without a problem. Mm-hmm. 
which is which is mind blowing when you think mm-hmm. about it. Now, it is. now you'd just be burning this, ketones, right? You'd just be converting ketones. And- well, you convert that to ketones, mm-hmm. anyway. But but I guess think about this. It's like if if we know that, what's that effect on our mental health? Right. Like if our body is in that state that we could not eat for six months and be um, okay. Yeah. What does that say about our state of mental health? And then how quickly do we think we can just re, you know recover? Uh, and, and get back to a healthy state of mind and whatnot. It just takes time, is my point. It takes time because that's it, Rome wasn't built in a day, but you can't. No, you can't. Yeah. Are you? Do you advocate for things like that in your therapies or your treatments? Absolutely, but I also know for most people, like so, um, Aaron would be a good example of like logical mind thinking, mm-hmm. like. And a, and, and a, and a, a and person who is obviously very disciplined. Uh, very disciplined mm-hmm. and also like stating a lot of facts that are absolutely true about what the body can do, what it can withstand. And then you might be an example of wise mind, the middle path, and I'll be the emotional mind. And the emotional mind, we all have two different dialects in our brain. You know, one is very, very logical. We all know most people what we should be doing different, what we should be eating better, how we should be exercising, sleeping, all of the things. And the emotional side is the one that's like, oh, you know, but I'll start Monday or I feel really deprived or Mm -hmm. I want to reward myself for making it two days to the gym or, you know, I want to reward myself for having a bad day. It's those emotional attachments. And generally in the moment of like when things get uncomfortable, so I don't know because I've never fasted 24 hours. He's been like sending texts every other week mm-hmm. to be like, who wants to fast with me? And I'm just like, yeah. I've done the 24 yeah. hours. I've never done a 72 hour. I've done, yeah, a 72. You've done the 72. I've done 24 hours. Um, and you definitely saw a difference. But I, I'd say most people, a majority, will always revert back to the old way of doing things, whether that's eating, whatever it is. In the mm-hmm. moment things start to feel uncomfortable, your brain is wired to present to you hey, this will make you feel better, or this is how we've always, um, you know, eaten or behaved. Um, you know, the, the study says that like 95% of our habits are hardwired into our body, so mm-hmm. into muscle tissue, into neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Epigenetic. Yep, I mean, so subconsciously mm-hmm. we are disciplined to whatever the behavior is, good or bad, like 95% of our thinking mm-hmm. and doing. So only 5% is our conscious thoughts that know what we need to change. Are we change. talking about free will here? Yeah, are so we talking about- in our thinking, like 5% knows like, here's what we should be doing differently. Here's what, you know, how I should eat for health. This is what we want to do. But when 95% of it's programmed to whatever the habit or discipline is, it's, it's really hard to change if sure. a person doesn't like have the discipline like Aaron would have, right. you know, through right. his careers, through his studies, through just... Mm-hmm how he structured his life which has become health. a habit for him yeah Obviously, absolutely that, that has been ingrained in his dna that- but for most clients if they come to me and let's say we're working on weight loss or something um most diets fail if they're based off of deprivation because mm-hmm. of just how the human brain works so mm-hmm. so generally those small commitments to either increasing exercise or that they can successfully do day by day will get them to the goal but if I were just to say, like, hey, we're going to fast for three days and we're going to reset the system, people would be like, Freaked out. yeah, they would just oh. be like, OK, well, I'm a relatively disciplined good, person. But, but I know if I'm planning to start my diet on Monday, I'm going to kill some apple fritters this yeah. weekend before, you know, so <laughs> if I know I'm going into deprivation, yeah. I am going to hit it hard before right. I start that. Or but, like with keto, like, you know, you make one mistake and then it's like, OK, well. 
I've just already blown it. So I'm out of ketosis. So I'm just going to eat everything in sight and yeah. start all over yeah. come Monday. Mm-hmm. You know? I, 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 I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah, but I think this most is of us just are. Kind of to roll this into an occupational setting, to a workplace setting, I think that you know, the, you know, the mental and psychological demands on employees seem to be so great, and they seem to be even higher post-COVID, and even physical demands of it. But we don't ever think about these kind of things in the workplace other than very, very exclusive workplaces. But I, I'm going to give an example. My wife works in a healthcare setting. I'm not going to na- name the facility, but she works at a hospital in town It's here. one of two. Yeah, one of the two <laughs> hospitals in town here. You can guess. But... Every afternoon, they go around and take cake orders, and they get cake for the employees and for the patients. Sure. And that's a very comforting thing, right? I get to have a little cake. I'm in the hospital. I'm probably not all that thrilled, so I'm having a little cake. The employees are eating cake. I mean, why aren't, why aren't we going around and giving them soluble fiber or something? Well, or, I, I think there's, there's two know. things. It's twofold going on. I, I think in the last probably 10 years, you're seeing more speak within companies about mental health, mental we, health. We days. Have. There's been some, um, uh, putting the person before the dollar, things like that. And now how that's carried out isn't always the best, right? So sometimes that's misconstrued as to let them all have cake every day. Right. <laughs> right literally. And, and, uh, but the angle is, well, if people are happy and then they feel like someone cares about them and they're not just the number, and who doesn't love cake, then mm-hmm. they love the work environment more. That's a better culture, you know, and everybody wants to be right. there and, and they're more productive. Um, nobody wants, nobody wants fiber. They don't want chicory right? yeah. or so, uh, Brussels sprouts for their treats. You know, so yeah. while the intent is good, you know, the, the, the implementation isn't always yeah. the best, but again, we're dealing with people who, if they're going to choose an apple or a cake, what are they going to choose? Majority, you know, majority of people are already conditioned, brain, right? Choice for cake. So I understand why companies would do that. I understand, yeah. um, you know, the whole idea of, of culture being very important and making employees feel uh, like like they're important and and I, all very valid and, and very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, could companies focus more on physical and mental health in different ways. I, I believe so, mm-hmm. but let, let's be honest. Most of the companies don't have the expertise or the capacity to do that True. Uh, at the same time. And, and while they want to invest in it, they don't invest too much into it mm-hmm. to the point where do they want a registered dietitian on staff and an exercise therapist on staff mm-hmm. helping people, right? That would be the ultimate, but mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're going to go to a certain point cake is as far as we're going to go. But they could hire people like you to come in and consult with them and those things. But at the end of the day, you know, then you're going to have, then you start to get into, well, to what point are, is it going to be just noise for people? How far is someone really going to go with it? You know, lots of companies give free gym, gym memberships to their employees and 95% don't even use it. Right. right? So, you know, to, to what extent do you have diminishing return on your efforts? You know, and I get it. That's a dollars and every company has to do. I'm sure Katrina even sees it in her practice. I, you know, she puts a lot of time and effort in some of her patients, but even at some point she has to make a decision. Okay. This patient has gone as far as this patient's going to go. No matter how much more I put into it, it is what it is, right? We would like to think everybody can get to this place where they're fully recovered, but at some point it's like, well, it is what it is, right? That is true. You know, I mean, in some capacity, if the person already isn't going to the gym and they already aren't eating well, 
then if a company comes in and let's say spends tens of thousands and millions of dollars, depending on the size of the company to put in, you know, the state of the art, everything, then what's the likelihood the person that already isn't been using that in their life is going to start using that now. So, you know, I, I definitely can agree with some of what Aaron is saying because, and again, it goes down to that individual and what they're already been disciplined for. But I do have to say, I think companies, I know there's a company in Omaha, you know, they put in a meditation room mm-hmm. that allows, you know, employees to go use in a quiet space during the day if they need, you know, to either, I call it putting myself in a timeout or mm-hmm. I just got to go, go step away. Absolutely, yeah. You know, where I work, they um, encourage us to take our 15 minute breaks, like outside of the building mm-hmm. um, to leave the office and then we are required to attend like a weekly like therapy group for counselors. Like we, ha- it's required. We have to go every week to this group, um, which I can understand why, you know, too. But I'm even shocked with the hospitals, the places where we do have first responders that, I mean, it's not even a requirement. It's a suggestion, but I think we're getting better, but I don't think we're quite there yet. But it's a hard thing to solve when people are already disciplined to their habits if they're unhealthy. But but that is it. It yeah. does. You know, my daughter, she's a trauma nurse, too. And um, she's kind of said the same thing, you know, with the cookies and the coffees yeah. and the all the other things. And then when it comes down to like, well, what are you doing for your mental health? It's like, well, there's not really a requirement for that. Mm-hmm. You know, they have resources, but the employees really got to seek them out. Versus being like kind of mandated to do a lot of that. These, so. The EAPs and things that mm-hmm. have been provided. But even we were talking before we started recording about a company that I'm working with now that had a catastrophic incident at one of their locations. And I spoke with their uh, safety person, contacted me about doing some training. And I said, well, it seems soon to be going right in and doing training. Why don't you just contact your EAP and do something for the employees and just try to, you know, and he said, well, we want to, okay, well, you know, I mean, I'm not a mental health person, but it just seemed quick to be getting right back into the classroom to talk about safety after we had an incident that was safety related like that. But I mean, as far as mental and physical health, what, this is kind of off the occupational side of things, but just basic things that people could be doing that, you know, little things, little change that might be useful. Do you have on either side of your expertise? Do you have recommendations? I mean, you mentioned meditation. You, I mean, counseling, certainly. I've been in and out yeah. of counseling most of my life, you know. And so what types of things? Well, a couple of recommendations I, I usually recommend starting with is that um, the brain is more suggestible when you first wake up. So you're still kind of in a theta brainwave state. So most top performers um, would tell you, you know, of the ultra successful that they set their intentions for the day, like the first thing they do. So it's kind of like deciding like, well, who I want to be today, but also like what goals, what things do I want to accomplish? And in that first like half hour, when you first wake up is the best time to meditate, you know, just kind of sending out into the universe, your higher power, whatever that is for you is like, this is what I want my day to be like. These are the things I need more of because it's almost like you're putting coordinates into your brain to start looking for that throughout the day. It's kind of like that blue car theory. If you 
get a new car, you start seeing it everywhere on the road. If mm-hmm. I if I mention blue cars, you're probably just going to mm-hmm. drive home and start seeing every blue car everywhere. But it's the same thing, you know, kind of setting the intention, like throwing out into like, hey, what do I want my day to be like? Because your brain is more suggestible than waiting towards the end of the day. And let's say that day has just gone to crap, you know, and like everything's gone wrong and that's not the best time to, you know, there's no bad time to meditate, but it's certainly harder for the brain to then like refocus mm-hmm. on like, okay, starting to see things better right mm-hmm. before we're falling asleep. So morning's the best time. They've also done studies and this is kind of where EMDR comes from. It's a trauma therapy that's pretty well versed for people that have had traumatic events, but a 30 minute walk with a friend does more for the brain. Um, than probably anything to build neural pathways faster because it's the act of walking. So bilaterally, you're stimulating both sides of your brain mm-hmm. because of the activity. And then you're talking with a trusted friend. And so that, as far as mental health and neuroscience, is one of the best things you can do. That's interesting. And that's why martial arts, mm-hmm. you know, working out is so good for the brain because it bilaterally, which means you're bringing stimulation to both sides of your brain. So it's got to pass information back and forth. And when you're doing that, you physically can't have a panic attack. Mm -hmm. You cannot have an anxiety attack if the brain is being bilaterally stimulated. So those would be two recommendations that generally if clients um, don't have a practice of, we, we start there. And then we make like that small commitment to what can we do? Maybe it's just two walks that week. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. the gym twice. Um, Maybe it's cutting down on sugar, um, mm-hmm. but they're small modifications. Yeah. <clears throat> and so these, these morning routines I find really interesting. And I read a book called Tools of Titans. It was a Tim Ferriss book. book. Yeah, and he interviews all those high performers and they mm-hmm. all talk about their morning routines and just what you've described. Most of them are doing those things in the morning. Those meditative or planning type activities are first thing in the morning, all sorts of other morning rituals. I mean, what kind of things would you recommend? I mean, I, when I wake up in the morning, I just kind of move and wonder what's broken that day. Mm-hmm. See how everything's figured. Do a body check. That's why you're so cranky. Am I, I going to be able to put my socks on? Do the body check. Yeah. Man. Absolutely. I do that too. That explains um, a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I always tell people, uh, I was like, you know, just just move. You know, mm-hmm. one, one of the big things we do, we're such a sedentary population. Um, j- just move. You know, a lot of companies, uh, you know, we'll have bring in people to do yoga and whatnot, or what, what's what's the, the stretching? Oh, stretching, uh, like that toolbox talk, stretch yeah, and flex, stretch and, and flex, things like they that. Talk about what you know. Doing. I think it's important to 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 do some kind of movement every day, whether mm-hmm. it's a walk, whether it's yoga, whether it's playing basketball. You know, um, you know, just move. You mm-hmm. know, get up out of your seat and move. Stand up for even just every hour, just standing up and walking around the office, uh, you know, instead of sitting all hour long, stand for half of it at your computer, Mm -hmm. just standing up does wonders for the body. You know, there's a lot of talk that sitting is the new smoking, right? That it, that sitting perpetual sitting is, is, is as bad for cardiovascular and heart disease as smoking is. So, you know, that just tells you the body's meant to move or meant to, to move around. So get any kind of movement, and I tell people just just play what I call active rest. Just find stuff to play. remember to be a kid again. Mm-hmm. If you like basketball, go play basketball. Walk yeah. your dog. Your dog needs to be walked anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk your dog. Poor dog sitting there anyway, wanting to go for a walk. Just right. just walk your dog. And then you know, every time people tell me I just don't have time to get to the gym, 
put it on your schedule. Mm-hmm. You got no problem putting a meeting on your schedule, put the gym on your schedule and prioritize it. Don't yeah. move it. It's on the schedule. Treat it like any other meeting and, and just don't move it and block it off. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, just commit to it. And, and it's harder. And I know it's easier said than done. Uh, but, you know, if you got kids, go play with your kids. Mm-hmm. Go outside and play basketball with your kids. Right. Like any kind of movement. Um, and, and to me, that's that's kind of a gateway drug, right? Movement is the gateway to getting back in the gym. It's a gateway to getting on a regiment, starting a routine, starting some kind of program. Um, but, you know, just stand up and, and you know, get out of your seat as we're all sitting here. But uh, <laughs> I was just, I'm trying to stand up and sit know, up straighter yeah. because I'm slouched over <laughs> and thinking, oh, man. You know, and, and get involved. It is true, though. You know, to Katrina's point where they her organization encourages them to get out of the office you, you can't have a home gym. Very few people can use a home gym. Very few people have the discipline. There's too many distractions. There's too many reasons not to do it. Get out of your house and join a club, join a gym, join the most expensive gym in town. And here's why I say that. Cause now you got some skin in the game. Right. You're going to hate to not use it. Right. Right. Whatever works. Right. Um, get out of your house and do stuff. Uh, otherwise you won't mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, and, and I think that's just important. Yeah, diet's important, things like that. You know, sim- I tell people some things, just stop eating out. You'd be surprised if you stop eating out how much junk gets out of your diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, it's too damn expensive to eat out anyway right now. It so. is really expensive. Yeah. It's we, not cheap to eat in either, but that's, you know. We were trying to hit happy hours once in a while, and we went to a, one of our favorite happy hour restaurants and got there just after happy hour ended. And ordered what we normally wouldn't have uh-huh. here. When they brought me the check, I think I had one of those panic attack things. I started doing some <laughs> yeah, control sure. thing and, you know, like, because, uh, yeah, I can't afford it. Sure. Yet. You know, and to bring this full circle, I think companies, you know, one thing you could do instead of having cake every Friday, is just every, you know, twice a day, every day, just get people up and move. Everybody mm-hmm. get up, walk around the building. I mean, whatever, yeah. just something dumb like that. We'll just, just like, pair off and walk around and talk some, some a little bit. Some type of activity, maybe. you know, and, and just do things to get people up and moving around and out of the office mm-hmm. uh, and out and just break their normal routine because, you know, we, we're, we're habitual creatures. And once we kind of get in that tunnel vision, you know, we, we talk about this in safety all the time. You just get into that tunnel vision and comfort breeds complacency. And that's mm-hmm. when that's when the accident happens. Well, if you're doing things every so many hours to break that cycle and get people's heads up and right and left brain firing again it's like okay and i'm more attentive i'm more in tune i'm more aware again mm-hmm. right let's get back at it um and as so i think that that goes a long way to not just health but it's like okay now i'm more aware of what's around me i woke i'm awake again i'm not just head down working this, this certainly close the, to cutting yeah. my finger off every time right in the workplace that's a great idea because you do tend to get into this rhythm without doing a lot of actual thinking you're just kind of it's very habitual which may or may not be good I, i'm sure it's an energy con- conservation system mm-hmm. but we've, we've been talking about habits and so that's kind of interesting can we talk a little bit about habits habit formation habit modification that kind sure. of thing what i would say is one of the questions you had written down is can can we train people not to have accidents or is it yeah. just a certain point we got to acknowledge they will have accidents i think we're already hitting on it Mm-hmm. Right, we're, we're creatures of habit. Our our mind gets into a mode, and if companies don't figure out ways to kind of break that pattern, I think that's when accidents generally will happen. Get out of the trance. And, and I'm willing to bet that most after action reports, you would know better than I that when accidents happened, it, it 
people just were just in that mode of working, 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 and, and weren't paying attention anymore. And then the accident happened. Well, usually the response to a question, you know, why would you have, why did you do that? If you can recall, I, even thinking, or, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I just, yeah, I, was gonna say, it's a weird... I don't have the backgrounds that both of you have, but it's such a broad question because it's like, not only what was happening in the work environment, but also like what's happening in their personal lives. You know, because no that plays such a huge part in it, you know, whether it's how they're sleeping or their nutrition, but what's the stress level, mm-hmm. you know, behind that, you know, before they walk into the doors? Because mm-hmm. there's so many different things that probably come into play when you're investigating, mm-hmm. um, especially some of the most more tragic accidents. But that stuff gets too. overlooked typically. That doesn't even come Does into consideration. Okay. You know, they're all looking for issues in the work environment, something wrong with the equipment, or oftentimes we're usually just trying to blame to an employee. Yeah. The employee yeah. did something that's wrong. The that's the easy, easy thing to point the finger at. to be able to say <laughs> you did something wrong. Or there was something wrong in the company or the culture the or the policy. machine broke or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. But Katrina's point, it's sometimes a simple question is, was that person distracted that day? And why were they distracted? Well, their wife just let them, or their husband just left them, or she mm-hmm. caught her husband cheating yeah. on her, or something stupid. Or, or you know, kids think really about sick. addiction and families. Yeah. I mean, generally, you know, one in eight. There's probably one in every household, and right. and there's so there's so many things to that that we just aren't aware of, and that usually aren't dis, you know disclosed. Right. But I think it's easy to 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 do like the reports and the investigations to try to find that one thing we can it at but i think it's probably in most cases much bigger because without question we go into mindless anything that we've done repetitively for so long just like driving i mean how many times do we get road hypnotized when we drive and we just you're start home driving and don't to know work how you and yeah, yeah. yeah or <laughs> home and you just are like wow where was i but i think especially in manufacturing when you do the same job repetitively for so long that it kind of becomes like that and we can mindlessly do that job which is dangerous mm-hmm. in a lot of these skilled labor jobs yeah you're, you're touching on something that i have been reading about that i find really interesting one of the common misconceptions with the c-suite people is this is how we imagine the work to be done but this is how the work really gets done you know they have this vision of this process and it always goes smoothly every day is the same the employees are always consistent. And when you go into a plant, it's nothing like that. The work is done as an adaptation to the things you've just mentioned, the issues that we're having personally, the problems we're having in the plant, the supply chain issues, the equipment issues, whatever. But the, no two days are the same. And yet that's how it was envisioned when it was designed. And so there's a there's a big gap, as, as I see it, between those two conditions. Work is imagined sure. versus work is actually performed. But I think you can, you can look around and see when people are, you know, mindlessly doing something or they're in, they're in that mode. I just kind of, you know, you all said, I just kind of get in my zone and just go. Well, they got their earbuds well, that's in. They got their like, when you see people working with their earbuds or they're on the mower just going and, and, and you know they've just kind of zoned out and just mind. And I get it, you got it. When you're doing work like that, you just kind of got to find your happy place and go. But the danger there is, are they paying attention anymore? And then 
definitely not as much as they maybe should be or could be. And what happens if something out of the ordinary occurs when yeah. something non-routine takes mm -hmm. place, you know? Do you even notice it? Uh, do yeah. you, you know, especially if you're working with heavy machinery, sharp objects, and mm -hmm. you're just kind of in that mode of going, 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 and then you don't notice that somebody's right came into your path or you don't notice something happened because you mm -hmm. were just head down working and i get it the machine's making a funny noise all of a sudden you don't even hear it and then you know so to me it's on the company then to kind of again break that cycle it's it's get people's heads back up and all right everybody the horn goes everybody stop mm -hmm. then jumping just whatever the hell it happens to be yeah. pull your earphones out 10 jumping jacks let's go i right. remember we had the discussion should you even let employees listen to music and you know, it's like, well, you know, you want them to have fun. You want them to enjoy work. But at the same time is, well, it, it's not so much that they not hear the truck backing up. Is it, does that automatically put them in a zoned out state of mind where they're not paying attention anymore? Is it even possible? And this, this is probably something that you have some expertise in because I'm not sure it's even possible to do a routine job like that attentively all the time. I mean, I'm sure your brain just no, because our brain conserves is, and shuts yeah, down. Yeah, 100 right, Doug. You, our brain is designed to create shortcuts. I mean, because what the third job of the brain is to conserve energy, and that's not necessarily physical energy. It's just it doesn't want to have to keep rebuilding new neural pathways, so it creates shortcuts, and that's the dangerous part of it. Mm. That it is almost impossible for you not to basically yeah slip into that like degree. we know how to do this we've been doing this every day for 10 years 20 years and i think a lot of the things that we just kind of they kind of come full circle especially when you're talking about bigger manufacturing facilities that run like you know 28 days a month and certainly omaha you know has a few of those big manufacturing companies is that when you consider like aaron talked about like Kind of the inner child the one that likes to have fun that likes to go play that you know wants to play basketball walk the dog you know do those things and you think about a manufacturing um, employee you know they have some of the highest divorce rates they have some of the you know probably highest rates in addiction they probably don't get to enjoy much hobbies or, or many things like that personally outside because of the demands of of you know that job and then you think about then doing a repetitive job mm -hmm. over and over the same way all the time. It, it is kind of a recipe for, um, you know, a lot of things like health issues, mm -hmm. accidents on the job, mm -hmm. um, because you're looking at such a broad, like all of these different factors internally and externally that I think play into a lot of that as far as like the well-being of the individual employee, mm -hmm. even if like the visionaries that set up at the top and, you know, imagine this euphoric place where mm -hmm. everyone comes into work happy and no accidents happen and everyone feels fulfilled and satisfied and the companies are hitting all their numbers. That's, that's really, yeah, like it's a great vision from visionaries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who don't have to go out and be the technicians and they haven't experienced how it feels or the emotions that come with each one of those different or they forgot or they yeah they have yeah, they, yeah. in a lot of cases yeah, yeah they have been detached for a while and yeah like if we could solve uh, solve this issues for companies boy i know yeah. but i like aaron's point that point of intentionally just getting out of the trance yeah. for a little while i think is a useful because that's something we could easily sure. do well to katrina's point i think when you hear people say i i i do it without even thinking I just mm -hmm. do it without thinking about it. I think that should scare thing. the crap out of you because yeah. they're in that that's state that thing. we're talking about. You know, one thing 
that, that I teach in our operations classes is this concept of a flexible workforce, right? This idea that people can do multiple jobs. Uh, it does a couple of things for a company. Like Cross-training type thing? Yeah, more or less. Okay. So, so what it does is, one, there's no single point of failure in a company mm-hmm. that if Doug's not here that day, the whole place doesn't stop because he's yeah. the only one that can do it. The other thing it does is it fights fatigue and boredom within a company because if I can get you trained up on 15 different machines, I can, hey, Doug, you're over here today. Okay, tomorrow right. you're going to be over there. Tomorrow you're going to be over there. So that helps fight some get of that you repetitive out of that. thing. Mm-hmm. It can get you out of that mode. Or, hey, uh, this morning you're going to be over here, and the afternoon you'll be over there. So at least for a portion of the day, you're attentive and going, okay, i got to remember how to do this. Okay, I'm just, yesterday I was over here, and now I'm doing this thing over here. So if you have an ability to move, and, and this takes time and training, which means it takes money, and companies mm-hmm. don't like to spend the money on training if they don't have to. But it, but if you can get people moving around within the company, especially in the manufacturing and, and the heavy labor type things, we're not doing the same thing every day. Uh, if you are able to move them around, it, it fights boredom, keeps it interesting. They're doing different things. They're using different parts of their brain. They're essentially, totally different parts they're of their essentially body. having, especially at the beginning of the shift, they're having to relearn everything because maybe they hadn't mm-hmm. been on the station in, in two weeks. So now they're having mm-hmm. to remember how to do this. And, and I think that ability would help, right? Just mm-hmm. this concept of a flexible workforce and then taking advantage of that, moving people around. It gets harder in certain areas where there's some specialties. I get it. But, you know, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm on a construction site, you know, you know, teach this guy how to frame, teach this person how to pour concrete, teach this person, you know, and you got to move them around. Now I know unions and things like that get in the way of mm-hmm. those yeah. things happening, but you get the ideas like, yeah. you know, just let's not pigeonhole people. Let's move them around a little bit to fight some of those mind numbing things. Yeah, I would agree. I think a little diversity in the work activity would be nice. It helps. I mean, who does, I mean, it's my Baskin Robbins theory. Who wants vanilla ice cream every day, right? You, no, you got to no, change no. it up, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. I couldn't have vanilla ice cream every day. See? Well, I could. It was the only ice but cream. But who wants yeah. it, right? But I'd eventually tire of it and eat cake. You know? That's what I'm trying to avoid. So, so like a gym ahead. buddy, you could have a work buddy. Yeah. So, yeah. Could. yeah. I mean, for real. I think that's valid. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you could. I think that would be useful. And somebody like you were mentioning, somebody you could go out and take a walk with at lunchtime or break time just to sure. kind of get that straight because i do think that can be a little bit over that 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 repetitiveness right. can be difficult i think to answer your question is no no we can't train people not to have accidents mm-hmm. we can create scenarios to reduce the likelihood i mean accidents it's not if it's when and, and, no, how, no and how severe i totally agree it's not it's and how severe and we can create scenarios that they're less frequent and not as severe you can never I one thing I found uh you know in, in training fighters and, and, and I and I promise you the same thing happens in every every mm-hmm. organization you ever investigate with an accident that I'll be we'll be in the middle of the fight. I've had this happen. I've had all the way up to the UFC level, I've had this happen. I've been in the corner, I'll look the fighter square in the eye, I'll go, listen, okay, stop doing X. You're telegraphing it, stop doing it, right? right? Do anything else but this. And what do you think is the first thing they do when that bell rings? The thing I told them to stop doing. Right. <laughs> right. So, it happens that way every time, though, so, because right. you're basically telling the brain right. to do it. So to the you're point basically is basically telling we, it to look for when it. When we do our safety. There's some reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah. so, so we'll think about it, right? Yeah, when sure. we do all our safety training, what do we yeah. always say? Here are the things we shouldn't do. Right. 
So are we setting them up for failure a little I bit? I think we are. Because that's on our don't no fall, doubt. don't fall. Oh, shit. And then exactly. <laughs> no, I, fell, I, right? I, I totally or agree. Or they're so focused on not falling, they're not paying attention to the wall they're going to run into. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing I, I find is right. a little bit frustrating is, you know, we we tell people not to have an accident. Like, you know, be safe. You know, go out there and just just be safe. Whatever the hell that means, <laughs> right? You know, and then when they have an accident, when an inevitable error is going to occur, there's always going to be deviations from the expected. Sometimes out then of their you control. Just, then you yell at them and say, "You need to care more about this, and you need to work more or, carefully." Or we just, just talked about this. this yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I hear that a lot. We just trained on this, and they did it, which tells me that training to some degree is ineffective. It's certainly not the exclusive control that we use, right? What we need, and you probably do this in the air force. We find out where the most critical potentials are, the real critical hazards. And we really build a lot of capacity into those to try to prevent that. Mm -hmm. Or if we do have a failure, that it's a soft failure, you know, because telling someone not to. Oh, that's what they're looking for. It's like in driving simulations, you know, you know, like don't hit the wall, don't hit the wall. Right. What happens? You you just start going towards the wall and you don't understand then all of a sudden how you hit it. Um, Is that truly what we're we're telling the brain? Hit the the wall. Because language matters so much to the brain because the brain is so black and white. So we have to be really precise in even the the language we use with ourselves and others. And you know, saying like, don't hit the wall or try not to hit the wall. I hope you don't hit the wall. None of those are strategies to not hit the wall. So just like when you're learning to ski or if you've ever been to ski school, they don't tell you to focus on the trees. They tell you to focus on the open path. Just always look at the open path because once you start looking at the trees, you're going to hit, you're going right to the trees. You're going to hit one. (laughs) That's a good point. To tell a fight or not, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, it makes sense why the first thing I mean, think mm-hmm. about your kids when you're raising them too. Like, don't do this, don't do this. Well, Aaron would just a tell me, keep your just... hands up, keep your hands oh, up, yeah. keep your hands up, and then my hands would be down around my waist. Yeah. Oh I, no. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or you, or you can watch somebody else and be like, man, he should be keeping his hands up right now, and then boom, you know. But mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot harder when you're out there. But yeah. our brain is very black and white, so the language steers it. That's really interesting. And if we keep focusing with ourselves or within organizations on what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong what's mm-hmm. wrong you know generally it's going to be really hard to overcome those things that mm-hmm. are wrong mm-hmm. um because we all know what's wrong generally um and so a lot of times like, like you said you can spend all the amount of hours all the monies on the trainings the things keep happening so a lot of times it's not really the real issue then and agreed uh, yeah. years ago aaron gave me a book the coaching habit i think and it still sticks with me I take a lot of book notes and I've even passed them to clients that I, because Mm -hmm. these questions to ask ourselves are great. And one of them is like, okay, if something repetitively just keeps happening, um, asking the, the person, you know, like, what's the real issue? Like it's usually not what's on the surface level and whether that's much deeper because things are happening at home or whether it's, um, something, you know, that's happening at work that just isn't being discussed because maybe it's so minute people don't really, they're not aware of it, but a lot of times what's on the surface isn't isn't really the issue mm-hmm. i think in most cases right and i would say that you know this our idea of the culture of working safely is is what can trump it you know we, we can you have to train don't get me wrong you have to get information to out there you, you have to train but then what right we know if we're constantly harping on things 
uh, that's what's in their mind and and that's when the simple happen but you know the the culture of which people now start looking out for each other uh start helping each other and it filling in the gaps so to speak mm-hmm. um you know like i know doug's having a bad day so i'm gonna look out for him yeah. or i know katrina is having issues with X and maybe the manager doesn't know that. So maybe I'll clue in the manager or maybe I'll just consciously walk out. Or maybe I'll say, Hey, why don't you take a break? I got it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I know you're having a shitty day. Right. And I think that's where the culture piece can come into it as well, because now, um, you know, those intangibles that, that you can't train to right. can come out. Yeah. Yeah. You can't control those, those kind of outlier issues like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I, I like I've just that. been frustrated with this training harder piece. You know, I need you just need to care more, and we won't have these accidents. I, I heard a company say that not too long ago. We give these employers everything, these employees everything they need, and they still do stupid shit. And I'm like, yeah, but that's expected. You know, we well, have to just know that's yeah. going to happen and somehow address that. Here's what I would say to that person too: is like you gave them everything you think they need. Good right. point. And I, Did you actually talk to them and find out what well, they feel they that, need? No, that, that is a missing piece. Every you know time. I mean? And I, I don't mean to be like, because I know I don't come from this background, but I'm like, well, no, I don't cuss on your podcast, but like, you, oh, you're no more than shit, welcome. Like, <laughs> right. be safe. Well, like, everyone's brain is wired to be safe. Why is that the message, right? I mean, I know we can't say be well or be happy or be good because happiness is fleeting, but like be safe. We already know we're mm-hmm. to be safe. Nobody wants to go to work and get their hand cut off no. or, or, you know, nobody wants that. So I feel like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. So mm-hmm. like having a different language in these in, in cultures and in companies, whether at home and we're raising our kids, you know, whatever it is, it's adaptable. Right. But like. I like I like the way Aaron said that too. It's just, yeah. How are you doing today? Like you, you don't you seem off. Mm-hmm. Like how can we help you or what do mm-hmm. you need? Because we all know to be safe. Um, yeah, this so is I don't why. know, but it's a it's culturally been the thing that's you know and like always been accepted in this manufacturing or organizations. Non, yes, this is why I love having non safety <laughs> people on the program because like, well, what the things that have been you know I have this confirmation bias, of course, you know, because this is how I view it, and that yeah. must be right. And so when people from the outside look in, say, "Well, that's ridiculous." No, everybody's conditioned to be safe they might need to learn something about this piece of equipment and that's what the where the training comes in Mm -hmm. this piece of equipment can do this and this moves like this and that's how you have to train them but we it's like every time my wife or one of my sons or something is driving so i say drive drive safely and they're always like (laughs) duh what the fuck i mean you know what do you think i'm out there driving around with my eyes shut i mean i always drive safely yeah exactly it's exactly the same thing like you know, be safe out there today. Sure. Well, I guess of the next question am, is, what, what could a lot you say of, instead? A like, lot of variables. You know, what could you say instead? Like, could you know, just start saying things like, that. hey, let's keep our heads up. Let's mm-hmm. keep our eyes and ears open. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's watch out for each other. Keep today. an eye on. You know, uh, you know let's, uh, let's, 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 let's not get heads down. You know, you, so I think something. changing the language, something different. Uh, and this is where our daily cliche. stand-ups, right? The daily stand-ups, I think, would help. We talk mm-hmm. about these all the time where you, where you do the powwow before you break and then do it again at the end of the day. Um, you know, instead of saying being safe, let's say, hey, let's keep our eyes and ears open. Let's keep our heads up. Uh, if you see something, come come grab me. What'd you see out there today? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, hey, let's scout for each other. Mm-hmm. We don't need to say the word safe to imply that. We already understand it. 
um you know let's say some different things like let's hustle like you know yeah you know, I like let's hustle. Let's stay vigilant. Yeah. Let's, do, let's do some things like use different words. Like, oh, vigilant. What the hell does that mean? What's vigilant mean? <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> exactly. Like, At least okay, they're doing do something that, you know? actively. Well, and Doug, tell me I, I too, agree. from your experience, when you go into organizations, how much laughter do you hear? Uh, that, that's an interesting question. Yeah. That's an odd question, but an interesting question. I'm not sure if it's ever been asked in a safety context before. Yeah. Uh, there are employees who are just by nature happy people that I encounter periodically, but most people are, they're kind of walking in that zombie like, you know, and even the managers are rarely because everyone is stressed. Everyone oh, seems to be overworked. F my life mode. Spread to. Yeah. yeah this hard. is one I hate. <laughs> you know, I ask people, how you doing, man? Living the dream as <laughs> yeah, if they want to put a gun in their yeah. mouth. You know, I'm just like, dude. I mean, <laughs> well, I like that Katrina said that because, one, it, it, it's a direct correlation of the mood of the place. And, mm-hmm. and, but I, I, I would bet money if you ask 100 safety people, if you walked in a room, everybody's laughing, how safe are they being? Like, oh, they're not being safe. <laughs> right. oh, they're all screwing around and joking and around. I challenge them that, probably that's being more true. safe. Yeah, you yeah, because they're right. paying attention. Because it breaks up hip, hypnotic. 100%. Right. Um, and also just laughter. Mood has so much to do with Yeah, like overall. you can't let the, you know. There's, there's a DBT school, skill called half smile, where if you force yourself to smile and you force yourself to set up right, you generally change the chemical makeup in your body, uh-huh. right? You know, it's hard to be upset if we're forcing a smile. Right. But, like, I just wonder what it would look like if there was comedy shows, there was things to make people laugh throughout their work day, if that would elevate performance. That's an interesting question. Well, I, I've I think never it even would. considered that, but I'll bet it, it would. It 100% wouldn't. And it would also make them yeah. pay attention. How many safety meetings have you walked into where guys like, okay, now we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about right. the OSHA requirement. Everybody's like, <sighs> oh, yeah, I, I've been to thousands where, of those. Where yeah, if you yeah. make them more interactive and, and some laughter involved, you naturally retain information better because now they're engaged and paying, paying attention. Yes. You know, so, you know, really – the question is, is how, how engaged are people in the work environment? That's a, yeah, and, and I'd be it. willing to bet that the environments where they're disengaged, there's probably more accidents. Mm-hmm. And there's less laughter. There's less overall just joy. Absolutely. You know, it is this, uh, living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. you know, I hate that. I hate that response, you know, because gosh, if that's, if it's that bad, change it somehow. If they're, if it's possible, I guess that's easy to say, but you know, well, people well, do more when they're happier. You I would know, they eat better when they're happier. Yes. They exercise more when they're happier. Just like everything changes mm-hmm. based off of, and I know happiness is fleeting, but like, if you think of all those chemicals that go with happiness, mm-hmm. um, serotonin, dopamine, that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like euphoric or falling in love, sure. mm-hmm. it all increases performance just like in sports. But if a person's depressed or stressed, you're talking about cortisol and different sets of chemicals mm-hmm, right. that we really don't get to choose because they're based off of our thoughts and feelings. So the brain just dumps them in to match. Yeah, and right. it's a repetitive cycle. So then you put a majority of people with those chemicals into environments where we know it'll bring the happiness of others down that are generally happy. Mm-hmm. Um it could look a lot different if we came to oh, work and I we agree. were laughing and enjoying. It where, really could. I think to be more more with. attentive, more assertive yeah. as well, more likely to call things out, more likely yes. to bring to attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in a, a humdrum, mundane environment, odd uh, dog, he's 
that dumbass will fall off the ladder. Right. He always, well, you it know, becomes people's personalities. Right, right. It does. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You you regress to the mean. It seems like. their being essentially yeah. is what it is. That, that that is a great comment. I I don't know how exact I you know, I don't know how you I bring that as a consultant to a workplace um, other than just trying to be joyful I think we'll in your go demeanor. Back to one of the things we harped on is, is how often as a safety person are you walking around the place? How often are you talking to people? How often are you Truly getting, are you getting on the floor? Hey, Doug, what's going on? How you doing today, yeah, buddy? Heck, yeah. All right, I'll see you around. You know, and then... How's the kid doing that soccer yeah, game this weekend? Know, are, are you doing those things to engage people and keep them attentive and let them know someone's watching them? them know, hey, I actually know your freaking name. Um, yeah. Things like that. And that, to you know, crack a joke, have some fun. You know, everybody break. We're taking a 15-minute break. Bring it in. And you do something fun together Mm -hmm. and create some laughter. Oh, that's a great Uh, idea. You know, I think those things where those one-on-ones walking the floor, creating that environment, um, moving moving people around, having work buddies, you know. It is one thing to talk to people, but it's another thing to really talk to people when you're actually walking around. And I know everybody's busy. You usually have a destination, but just to take a little bit of time to do that. But how busy are you? If if we know it's going to increase productivity make people safer and more engaged is it time well spent absolutely yeah. you're probably going to pay so. for it somewhere right 100 um, percent. there's been yeah. days we've canceled trainings depending on like if it's just been a hard week mm-hmm. there at work um and we've just watched stand-up comedy instead of the training really yeah because when you're dealing you know with, when you're in the trauma pit you yeah. know all week long or it's just been stressful yeah. then we'll recognize like okay, we don't need another training this week. What we need is laughter and just a break for a little bit. You know, it's funny, a a correlation. Some cultures, like like in the United States, when when somebody passes, it's a day of mourning, Mm -hmm. wearing black. And and some cultures, it's a day of celebration and laughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And you ask, well, why? Well, think about it, right? If you had a hard week at work and we do something fun and we laugh, we remember all the good things. That happened throughout the week rather than just dwell on all the crap that happened Misery, that yeah. week, right? So if you have somebody passes and you have a day of celebration, you tend to remember all the great things, right? And, and you're not you're no longer mourning, you're celebrating. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's the same, it's the same concept in my mind. It's that hey, if you interject laughter into the workplace, you interject laughter on a hard week, okay, you, you shift your focus. That's a great idea, man. And your chemicals. You and the chemistry. chemical state and the chemistry no doubt. of your body. It's all correlated. It's really important. I like that. So just in closing, um, we mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier and the tools of Titans and some of that stuff. One of the questions he asks everybody is what you're reading, which I find interesting because I read all sorts of different stuff. Are you reading anything interesting right now? Anything either of you are? It, it could be fiction, nonfiction. It could be just for fun. It could be educational. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm in, I, I, I was an idiot, went back to school. I know you <laughs> so did. So my, my leisurely fun reading has taken a, a back seat. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, true about I'm, school. I'm knee-deep in textbook and research articles right now. Yeah, that um, is true. So uh, I have Are you had, in finals week or have you, your finals were over? Or were... No, I, I'm in summer term, so I just finished. Oh, okay. Last week I finished the, the spring semester. I went gotcha. right into summer term. Okay. So um, in that respect, I'm reading a lot, but I'm reading more research and yeah. more 
not, nothing. Not, it's it's fun, but not fun. Yes. It's, it's not well, leisure, it's it's because not, you find it interesting. It's not casual, leisurely reading. Like the, the right. books that Katrina and I just pass books back and forth mm-hmm. all the time. To me, that's more leisurely, fun reading where yeah. I'm learning stuff. I'm learning because it's like, oh, that's a cool topic. Let's check this out. Yeah. Uh, not not I'm knee deep in the 15 research articles uh, mm-hmm. on nutritional you know, biochemistry. And, and stuff yeah. And, and things like that. So yeah. uh, I haven't had much fun reading in, in a about a year now i will find stuff i i tend to because i'm so tired of reading from the textbooks and stuff i'll 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 podcast more i'll Mm -hmm. listen i'll listen to keynote speeches more on some some fun topics Mm -hmm. um but i haven't i haven't had a a fun book in a while my last book i was reading was called not nice uh, it was basically how to learn how to say no to people and stand yeah. up for yourself more. That's so important. And of course, her comment was, you're already not nice. Yeah. So why do you know that? <laughs> I mean, Seems I'm, like something you I, have mastered. I am a close friend. I feel like I can say that to him mm-hmm. without yeah, you don't get, need any getting to write a book from him. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you get to read or is it uh, work too consuming for you? I mean, like Aaron, I, my fun reading is like I love self-help books. You know, mm-hmm. like so right now and I – my ADHD doesn't allow me to read just one book generally, at a time. At a time. Yeah. So I'm reading Homecoming by uh, John Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of like a healing the inner child, you know, okay. therapy book. Uh-huh. And then I'm reading uh, Success Principles, which was when Aaron got me from Jack Canfield, who was the author of Chicken Soup of the Soul. Oh, so yeah, he's a really great. Yeah. Um, Winning the Game of Business by John Asaroff. I have some bookmarks in. And then... Um, Phrases to deal with difficult people mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, my other, is my fourth one Jesus. that I kind of have all open <laughs> and like a couple in my car, a couple on yeah. my nightstand, you know, like I have oh, yeah. them everywhere, but, um, but I yeah, always have I stacks reading. of books partially read going, yeah. you know, just a paragraph here, a paragraph there, but I'm reading one like, you know. Todd Conklin, workplace fatalities, you know, that's always an uplifting topic, you know, so, but I just want to understand more about it when I work with companies that are dealing with these types of catastrophes. I did pick up this book called Atomic Habits. Have you heard this one? Yeah, I think we Mm -hmm. both read it. I I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading that. Sounds interesting. It's on somebody's best. There's another one that we had passed called Mini Habits. Mini Habits. Okay. It's another good one. Well, The Power of Habit was the first one I read, that Charles Duhigg book. It was about five or six years ago. Really outstanding. It's those are great. Books. Those are interesting to me because so much of what we described, you what you were talking about, the workplace is so habitual, and having good habits or understanding how to alter habits slightly is, I think, really critical to making those changes. But addressing our understanding our habits is really the key to any change, whether mm-hmm. it's a physical discipline whether it's an addiction discipline, yeah. a work culture discipline, when you really understand how habits are formed and wired in your brain, mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of power, I feel like, when it comes with education on habits. Because mm-hmm. even though we know it better, we don't, that doesn't mean doing better. And I hear that every day in my office. Well, I know better. I know not to use this drug. I know not to do this thing. I just don't understand right. why I'm not being successful it's because our our brains aren't wired for success if the <laughs> habit is self-defeating to that. So yeah. those are great books. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to remember, too, that your body doesn't grow without change. And meaning you have to break habit for it to grow. Mm-hmm. We know from lifting weights that if you stay in the same routine, you will stagnate and actually regress. Mm-hmm. So you have to alter your routine periodically, roughly every six weeks. You continue to grow and get stronger and, and more physically um, healthy. So your body, the human body, is amazing. Is that 
it, it loves to adapt and it mm -hmm. only grows when it adapts and, and it's no different in the brain like you you have to break habit it sounds weird you have to break habit to get more mental clarity to get better mental health to form new habits so if if you're happy with the way things are you're actually regressing mm -hmm. automatically mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's great to form habits, but you also have to understand you actually have to break habits mm -hmm. to grow. Mm -hmm. that matter. You have would to you get call, out of Would routine. you call that stress to some degree? I mean, you have to well, stress. Everything is a stressor, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is a stressor. Lifting weights is a stressor. Reading a book is a stressor. Um, but you have to break habit. You have to break routine. You have to get out of your comfort zone is what we hear a lot mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you won't grow. Like you can't. It's just that's not how the body works yeah. mentally and physically. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Like there isn't a question. It, it no will doubt. be uncomfortable because you're wired to that habit. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the most important things is to have a game plan for how you're going to handle the moment when it becomes uncomfortable. Because if you wait until it's like you're having the craving or you're having the urge or you want to go do the thing you're trying not to do, if you don't know how you're going to handle it in that moment, you'll always go back to the old way mm -hmm. of it. So just knowing like it's just going to be me getting out of bed and putting my shoes on and then driving to the gym and then see how I feel on my way to the gym. Generally, mm -hmm. you're past the urge of not going. Okay. You know, same thing with avoiding a food or uh, avoiding, you know, a, a drug. The urge has never killed us. You know, cravings never killed us. Uh, so really just knowing how you're going to handle it is really key and then not giving over to it. And it's yeah. going to be uncomfortable for a little while because mm -hmm. the brain doesn't want to do something different. Yeah, I get you, it. You can get into, you know, we talked about fasting earlier and you can get into the biochemistry and the cellular chemistry of fasting and autophagy and all those things. But what does fasting really do? It, it breaks a habit pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. Right? It, it breaks a habit pattern. It throws a monkey wrench into your routine. Yeah. And, and that in itself is incredibly valuable. Just like mm -hmm. laughter. We can always bring these things back together because you're breaking up a pattern. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. And that's essentially what habit breaking the fastest ways are just to keep breaking up that pattern as fast as you can, as efficient as you can. Because most of us can't go 100 days to build a new habit. You know, that's what scientifically it takes to start a new habit. Do something every day for 100 days. Well, that doesn't work yeah. so well. Yeah. So these little things are little tricks to break up, break up the habit. You know, and I think safety professionals can use that to their advantage. We talk about training people to not making mistakes. Well, okay, well, how many different ways are we breaking up the habit pattern of the work environment and breaking that? humdrum mundane mm -hmm. mindset mm -hmm. you know can we get out there and just and keep them thinking about thinking about it different doing it a little different and, and changing things so that they're constantly aware mm -hmm. you know, what news come what's what's doug bringing today yeah. you know mm -hmm. and then and now they're in the moment which we know people when you're in the moment and thinking accidents tend to not happen yeah. right yeah interesting well cam showed up again which means I think he's he, back he there, there, which means our hour is up. We're way over hour, oh, geez, which is so always the case. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is Katrina Bishop, Aaron Cerrone. You have a business or a, I mean, hypnotherapy. Yeah, Are you it, taking patients? I, you... I do. It's a better you.me. A better you.me. That's where they me. can find my website. Yep. Okay. And send me a contact. I can remember the more. last time you were here, I had said the next time my boys are in town, they both need to come and see you. 
just for, I mean, for disciplinary, I mean, just not disciplinary, that sounds wrong, for <laughs> <Yeah>. discipline, <laughs> discipline formation, overcoming those fears and, uh, you know, those kind of things. I think they would both benefit tremendously from that. Um, they could both ben dis- benefit tremendously from you as well. Mid-America Martial Arts. Um, can you take any more members at your place? I can or you always full? take more members. You can always. You got, you got space for, got, you got got, space for I, my, I, I my space is open. I know, I was going to say, haven't been there in somebody four can take my spot. I haven't so, been there. So we're talking yes. about habits. <laughs> so tell me again the website. A better you. A better you. Dot me. Dot me. Mid-America Martial Arts. I love these conversations. I get tired of talking about safety, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's nice to correlate things outside of that immediate realm with the safety perspective. No, I, I so. tell I tell my students at, at UNO all the time, especially my entrepreneur students, I was like, just because you're in one industry doesn't mean you can't learn from other industries. Like we Without always think, question. oh, market research, this, this, what are my competitors doing? Like, like if, if I'm a construction company, I can gain value by watching what a flower shop does. Like they Without might be question. doing some valuable things. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think safety, you need to get out, get out of your wheelhouse and totally. see what other people are doing and how they're doing things. Cause you can apply best practices from everything. I totally agree. In fact, I think some of the most insightful things I've learned and heard on this podcast have come from people that are not directly involved in safety because their perspectives are not clouded by that. Yeah. Uh, the same old training that we've all had. We've all mm-hmm. been through the same training and we're all trying to do things the same way. And it's obviously not working to the extent that we need it to. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank, thank you, you both. It is Friday afternoon. So I don't know what everybody has going on, but I hope you have a great weekend. Um, keep working hard at this. I, I know that there are a lot of challenges to what we do in the safety profession. Some of these things are really frustrating, but keep exploring break things up a little bit um try some new things get out of your comfort zone get your people out of their comfort zone a little bit laugh a little and laugh a little bit yeah ideally yeah that sounds great thanks everybody cam thanks man have a great weekend and we will talk to you next week later a media production